Blog Talk Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Roman Show for the week of October 24th. Today we welcome Nikolai Navarro, who talks about, well, how MMA fighters have a strong background in the military and how they've been successful. This plus much more on the Roman Show, which starts right now. Step down to the get down. All right, whenever you're ready. ready. Five seconds to the open. Aquarius, watch that little gimbal. We don't want you coming off in the face. Booster, go. Retro, go. Vital, go. Fire. Guidance, Surgeon, go. Blind, go. We're go. Blind, GNC, we're go. Down here, go. Control, go. Go, go. FAO, we are go. Network, go. Covering, go. Capcom, we're go. Blind, launch control, this is Houston. We are go for launch. The Roman Show. With your host, Rodolfo Roman. Okay, we we're back on the air, George. Uh, the Roman Show, we were off last week, but we're back at it again, ready to talk to mixed martial arts, sports, and entertainment. Today we welcome Nikolai Navarro to The Roman Show, who was actually scheduled to fight on the World Series of Fighting fight card in November. However, that has now been scratched. And they have decided to turn 35, uh, 34, 35 World of Fighting into one, which is now going to be known as the World Series of Fighting number 34. And it's going to feature four title fights in December, actually December 31st in New York. That is the World Series of Fighting. That is what they're doing. And uh, no word right yet if Nikolai will be on that card. However, we did speak to him about how... Some of the military men, the Marines, uh, Army men, uh, have turned into, well, a, a mixed martial arts career. They've gone out there and have had very successful careers like Tim Kennedy, Randy Couture, uh, so many names that I can go on and on to list. Colton Smith is another one that they came from the military and now they were mixed martial arts and they had a very successful career. Nonetheless, we will talk to him a little later today, but George... We have a lot to talk about here this evening. Just want to invite every single person to the next XFN show on November 19th. Uh, it's going to be exciting, the last one of the year. And uh, on December 2nd, you got Titan FC at the Bank United Center. Uh, more information you can find on our social website, sites such as Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Roman Show Media. Also on our Instagram, which is Roman Show Media as well. And our, our Twitter account, at the Roman Show. We got coming up, George, in just a few. We're just going to get it out of the way here. Eddie Alvarez, who will be fighting Conor McGregor for the lightweight title in New York at the next UFC pay-per-view, UFC 205, a blockbuster of a pay-per-view. Eddie Alvarez will be on the Roman Show next week. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a major announcement, George. That is a major announcement, as a matter of fact, that, you know, this is one of the fighters that's actually making history in just a couple weeks against Conor McGregor. Uh, this is a historic, historic fight, and I personally, I, can, I cannot wait to see what Eddie Alvarez is going to say going into this fight. And I and uh, all you folks, make sure you tune in next week. We will be airing. Eddie Alvarez right here on the Roman Show exclusive interview as we talk a little bit about everything, including his fight against Conor McGregor. 
Also coming up, we got Ronnie, the bass player of Blessing a Curse. They will be releasing their new album coming up this following week, November 4th. Stay tuned for that interview right here in the Roman Show as we sat with him and uh, the process and the challenges that led them to their debut album. Well, enough of the talking. Just want to make a little shout out here to Athlon Rub. Check them out, athlonrub.com. Put it on before, during, and after. And trust me, you will feel like a champ. That's athlonrub.com. Reality check starts right now. And now, it's time to give you a reality check. Okay, George, so I have a bone to pick with this James Ellsworth, Ellsworth guy. You know, this is an indie guy, nothing against him. He's cool with indie people. As you know, the WWE roster has a whole bunch of indie guys in there, including current WWE Universe champion, Mr. Kevin Owens. But, George, this is James Ellsworth, man. And, and I mean, listen, I mean, it is what it is. He's on guy, his, his T-shirts are number one right now. It beats Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, all the rest of the guys. Heck, even John Cena. But they're giving these guys such a huge push um, when there is so much great talent out there. And they're really pushing this guy a, a lot more. In fact, because of the sales of the t-shirt, it seems like this guy might get a full contract with the WWE. Well, this is a guy formerly known as Jimmy Dream in the Independence. Uh, he's worked uh, many, many great organizations uh, uh, based in Maryland and Mississippi. Uh but let me just say this for the record, Mr. Roman. Uh, James Ellsworth, or Jimmy, or whatever you want to call him, um, to me, he was the original face of the, the merger of the independence with the WWE, because who was the first face you saw from the independence come onto the WWE programming when this whole, like, jobber, quote-unquote, or enhancement talent started? It was James Ellsworth. Uh, against Braun Strowman by coincidence. Um, now to to say, yeah, he, he was the first. He got the most attention. People were like, oh my God, the 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 time of enhancement talent is back because if if you grew up in the 80s, 90s, you would remember going into WWE programming and watch all these major names defeat all these enhancement talents like the Brooklyn Brawler, Barry Horowitz, etc., etc. What happened to those enhancement talents, Mr. Roman? They became a popular name. The Brooklyn Brawler became a popular name. The Barry Horowitz even had a major storyline with Skip. Same thing is happening with James Ells. The, the goon, doink. Uh, the only person that I think never got a chance was Knuckleball Schwartz. But uh, <laughs> if you don't remember that guy. Bastion, Bastion Booker. All these guys became popular during their time. They might not their win loss ratio might have not been impressive, but they got in they got popular. Now, one thing that James Ellsworth is doing that none of these other guys were able to do, sell t-shirts. He was able to do it. Now, do I agree that he should be in the main event picture? No, of course not, because I agree with you. There's been a lot of great talents that should deserve the, that shot against. Uh, uh, against AJ Styles on SmackDown. As a matter of fact, Rusev even tweeted uh, not too long ago saying that James Ellsworth has had more world title shots than him. So I I I I completely agree. I, I'm I'm not backtracking on that. But right now, uh, as shocking as this is going to sound, the money is on James Ellsworth. 
if the money's there, I say why not? Can go, but I'm still not a fan of this guy. What is this? His little slogan he says, "Any man with two hands can fight." Or something like that. But they're really giving him a good push. All right. Let's move forward. Brock Lesnar went on Monday Night Raw to answer uh, to Goldberg. No, I mean, well, originally, actually, Lesnar won the one that challenged Goldberg. And then Goldberg came on last week, which, which, in my opinion, George, I thought it was a really cool entrance uh, or re-debut of Bill Goldberg to Monday Night Raw. I think he looked great in shape. I just hope that the, uh, the match itself is good. But... One thing is certain, George, Bill Goldberg is money. And we could see it because the ratings went up. Oh, yeah. The ratings went up double the amount of any Raw from the past. Because, Roman, not to, again, disrespect the current roster that we currently have on the WWE because they're all money people. They, they could all sell out arenas. But when you got a guy who hasn't been in a WWE ring for 12 years, and this is a guy that people were chanting for while Ryback was still in the WWE because they wanted him back for over 12 years. When you finally bring him back, what is that going to tell you? You're going to go see it, obviously. It's like for me, like to give you a prime example, I'm a huge Godzilla fan, huge. You know this. When they told me Godzilla was coming back, what did I do? I stood in line at midnight. Prime example. People have been waiting 12 years for Goldberg. They stood in line. I waited over 10 years for Godzilla. I stood in line. Perfect way. End of story. And he's money. That guy looks good. And I think that what really is making it for Goldberg is that that promo, which he was never really a good promo guy, but... When he went and spoke to the kids, especially about his son being there for the first time while he's in the ring, is the first time that his son's going to see him actually wrestle live. That right there catered so much to the public. And, yeah, you remember Goldberg being this big, strong dude, bald-headed guy who came and speared people. But now you got that human aspect to it, that emotion to it. That you're like, wow, hey, this guy's also a nice guy. He cares about his family. So I think that... By having that, it just really turns them that into the good baby face, as we saw today in Monday Night Raw. Brock Lesnar didn't even say a word. Now the people are with Goldberg just because of that act that he did. Yeah, and on top of that, in, in Brock Lesnar's home uh, state. Now, here's the thing. Goldberg returns again next week. They're, they're leading this into a huge avalanche of emotions for when they finally meet face-to-face on that Monday Night Raw. Who knows when that's going to be? But I could tell you this much right now. When it happens, I guarantee the ratings are going to be so high that it will probably overload the USA Network. And it's about time because they need it. But I will tell you this. I'm really excited about the main event in Hell in a Cell, Sasha Banks and Charlotte for the women's title. Uh, it's about time these ladies get credit. And for the first time in history, two women inside of Hell in a Cell for the title, main eventing a pay-per-view, Never been done. It's about damn time. But you and I were pissed off because the WWE messed up by having Dana Brooks and Bailey duke it out in an arm wrestling match, which kind of backtracks the way that the women's division has been moving forward. Let, let me say this. I don't know who was writing that script today, but they should not be working there. 
Because, come on, you're building a reputation for these women, and all of a sudden you put them again in a gimmick match like that? It was next, a bra and padding match again? That was horrendous, and it pissed off everyone in the arena because you heard everyone, this is stupid, boring. What's wrong with you? If you want to gain respect for a certain division, that's the least thing you should have done. Totally agree. Very ridiculous on the WWE there for taking that route. Well, one company that is no laughing matter is TNA. You know, while we were away, TNA has been hit with lawsuits from left to right, top to bottom. Billy Corgan, bank, bank company. So many companies have sued TNA. And right now the records are sealed, so we don't know exactly what their defense is, what the whole situation is. But TNA does not look good right now. Listen, when you have a major company like the WWE pulling out just because they couldn't stand how many lawsuits were coming your way, that tells you something. The Carter family in itself are going to go bankrupt. Because remember, TNA was founded by Jeff Jarrett and then was sold to the Carter family. And the Carter family by... Man, oh man, oh man. I, I really don't... Because... Let me tell you something. These lawsuits are not for like one point five thousand dollars or or the little wrinkly two thousand. They're for two hundred thousand dollars, and others for a hundred and fifty. And on top of that, they have unpaid wrestlers. And then you got Jeremy Borash going on the uh, going live saying that these things are untrue. Really? Have you seen the reports? <laughs> nice try. Very unfortunate, and and. You know what, I think what really hurts here, yes, the fans, but also the talent in that company. Because, you know, at the end of the day, people got to eat. Yeah, people got to eat, man. But but the thing is, is that all of this was done wrong. Every single thing. I don't know where it started going sour, but it, it, it it's, it's horrible because TNA was actually looked at upon as that that SmackDown, you know, before this whole brand extension thing. Uh, TNA was looked at as that SmackDown, that location for the young talents to finally be noticed. And now it's kind of like, what happened? And actually, now if you ask me for my opinion, I personally think it went sour when they hired all those uh, people like Sting, Hogan, Eric Bischoff, and all the money went to waste. Yeah, they wasted money. They should have kept what they had. It was that originality, that, and that's the reason why... <laughs> You know, you guys got like guys like AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, who jumped ship. I mean, those guys were TNA guys. They started there. Yep. So they had a foundation. They had something, but they never built from it. The, the TNA Women's Knockout Division, I mean, that was awesome. Oh, yeah. The, the, listen, the TNA Knockout Division was actually defeating the, the WWE for a long time. As a matter of fact, there was times where even TNA ratings was beating the WWE. And to a lot of people, that was... Shocking, but they had the talent, and they because a lot of people were buying into the new generation of professional wrestling, not the same old stories that you used to see every Monday or Fridays or Thursdays. You know, people were buying into it. Then all of a sudden, WWE went into the bandwagon, and you know, they started building themselves up. Obviously, TNA, too, because uh, TNA was losing all that. 
you know, w, uh, basically they, they went as far as to say, hey, we need to bring in big names to get it back again. And that's where I guess they lost track because Dixie fell short when she lost faith in her talent and decided we need a Hogan to save this. And it, yeah, the, the, she shouldn't have gone that way. She, she thought that the whole star power thing was going to get a reality show. Exactly, exactly. And that really failed. And it's a, it's a really sad case, really sad story, because there is great talent there. Yeah, and you got Mike Bennett. Uh, yep. Lashley, I'll give Lashley credit. You know, he, Lashley, Cody Rhodes. Uh, Sandow. The, the DK. And, and, of course, you can't forget the most popular one of them all. Delete, delete, delete. You know, you you can't go wrong. They they have a roster, but it it came at a bad time because now they have the perfect roster, but they don't have the money. And you know what? You're so right. You know, especially with Matt Hardy, it was picking up so much steam. But at the end of the day, TNA is just going down the drain, and it's unfortunate because I I, I think look, I don't get pop TV. I I don't see. It. I'm sure I have it. I just don't see it. I don't I don't know what programming exists. And I've seen it a couple of times, but I would have tuned in just to watch Matt Hardy. Yeah, uh, Matt, but but let me tell you something, Roman. The the Matt Hardy we're seeing on television right now, it, it's I, I can't put it to words, man. That Matt Hardy is by far the best Matt Hardy we've ever seen. Better than the version 2.0 and all of it. Uh, yeah, version 2.0 or, or the tie-dye guy. Uh, when Matt Hardy first started in the business, he would come out with tie-dye tights. You know, it, it, yeah, this is by far the best Matt Hardy we've ever seen. And, and man, almighty. Like, I, I, I love everything. He interacts with the crowd. He has a story, even though it's sometimes corny with his, like, those fireballs going into his hands. Sometimes they're corny, but it gets the fans' attention. But again, going back to my original opinion, they have the roster, but unfortunately, it came in a bad time when they have no money. Very unfortunate news. All right, well, we're going to kick things in here with uh, Nikolai Navarro, who joins us, part of the World Series of uh, Fighting Family, was scheduled to fight this uh, this coming month. That won't happen, but possibly will be part of the December fight card uh, in uh, New York. But we'll talk about the role how military men have jumped ship to MMA after as soon as they leave the military, they go and they go ahead and make a professional career out of martial arts. We'll talk to Nikolai coming up right now on The Roman Show. All right, everyone, welcome to the Roman Show. It is uh, November 12th. That is the day you need to mark on your calendars. The World Series of Fighting number 34 will be uh, taking place in Colorado. Uh, of course, the main event there was uh, Fish going up against Shields uh, for the title. But also on that card, we have Nikolai Navarro versus Alan Gutierrez, uh, two folks who well are very, very tied up uh, to the military, especially Nikolai, who is uh, an Army's 74th Ranger Regiment. How are you, uh, Nikolai? Welcome to the Roman Show. I'm doing well, sir. Uh, yes, yeah, the 75th Ranger Regiment. Th and thank you so very much there, Nikolai, for serving for our country, first and foremost. No problem. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you for 
Now, Nikolai, going into this fight against uh, Allen, uh, first and foremost, how's how the camp been? Camp has been great. You know, I'm training under Dwayne Ludwig over here in Westminster, Colorado. It's uh, right north of Denver. And, um, yeah, so my main training partner has been Zach Wells. She's a 185 er I think he's undefeated in kickboxing, maybe 4-1 and one in MMA. He's uh, one of the best strikers here. So, you know, he's bigger than me. He's Yeah, Nikolai, you, you mentioned there that uh, you uh, train with UFC star uh, Ludwig there. How is that training with him and having him on your side, on your corner, whispering what to do and what not to do as a coach? You know, I honestly feel like I've, I've been under Dwayne for around eight months now, and I think that he has helped me evolve at a much faster rate than anywhere else. I've only been uh, training martial arts since you know, the military is when I really started around 2004, 2005 is when I joined 2004. And um, so not that long compared to people that have been training their whole lives. But under Dwayne, I really feel more technical and more uh, more of a fighter than I ever have before. And then with guys like TJ, Milishov, Benavides is in there right now, uh, Joe Benavides. And then, uh, like I said, we just got great guys from everywhere. And, and Dwayne is such a good coach. He can be teaching 100 guys, and if you're dropping your hand or doing something wrong, he's going to find you. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's really really good. And that's very important to have that watchful eye there to correct your technique because uh, that is the number yeah. one thing. So, Nikolai, you mentioned about that you started the MMA career or into martial arts when you were in the military. Explain to me exactly what happened there, because I, I hear all these stories that in the military they train martial arts, but how, how does this come into play? When do you guys find the time? Is there some sort of schedule? How does that work? You know, that, that's a very good question, and um, here's my answer. So I was I was in the special operations in the military with the second regiment with the Rangers, and um, I feel like you're very lucky if you have, let's say, a former professional fighter, wrestler, striker, whatever their discipline was, who joined the Army, and then he might be in your squad, and you guys might just, after hours, be training together. That's one way. But, yeah, like you said, you don't have that much time because the mission is more important. Mm -hmm. So even in basic training, when they're like, they start teaching you, they tell you, you know, we're just teaching you enough. Don't go around acting like you're a badass because we'll teach you enough to get your ass kicked. But not until afterwards, until I was able to even you know, join the gym and train for a job or, you know, every day with multiple three, four-hour training sessions, multiple times daily, you know, it's, uh, that's when I started to see the results. <laughs> Wow, so you get because I, I see some of these things, and I know some of the MMA guys. I think it was one of the uh, one of the fighters here, the the, the featherweight that went out there uh, and trained with some of the uh, the combat, and, and and the way they train. I mean, these these guys are rolling around on the on the dirt. They don't even have no rings or nothing. Uh, well, yeah, that is that is and the combatant army team and military team. They're they're very very good at what they do, but it is different because you know we're training for more of a, a war, real life situation, and Now, now, did you end up end up using some of these martial arts skills in combat while you were there? You know what? I did not. I was a machine gunner, and mm -hmm. 
heard about some. I even, and I even had a buddy. I had a buddy who was uh, walking through a field and he stepped on a guy, but it was dark and he took a couple steps past and turned around to see what it was. And it was a guy with a suicide vest on and there was hand to hand combat there before my buddy killed the guy and he got a silver star for that. But uh, I never got any hand to hand combat. I uh, I got some got some shooting done, but that's about it. Wow. And again, thank you for, for serving our country. Now, let's talk about Gutierrez. This is your next opponent coming up on November 12th. Uh, what have you noticed in him? He did a little bit of homework of this guy, and, and what are you training for against him? You know, so he's a purple belt. I've, I've been working with a lot of jiu-jitsu with some high-level guys. Uh, I, from, what, from what I've seen is he, he looks like an exciting fighter. He looks like he likes to strike. He likes to put on a fight for the stand. And that's right up my alley, because I'm the same way. Let's get out there and bang. Let's not, uh, you know, let's not lay on top of each other. But if you guys see that I'm working with some more wrestling games up there, too. But I'm trying to get out there and, and put on a show. So I, I, he looks like he's the same type of fighter, so I think it would be a good fight. Gotcha. And Nicolas Navarro, so where where is your background from, uh, your family? What's your last name is Navarro. So, so my father's Mexican, and uh, my mother is uh, she's Dutch, German, and Irish. So mm-hmm. that's... So, so have you have you gone out there uh, to Mexico and uh, seen some of the MMA fighters out there or any of the MMA promotions out there? You know, I was uh, supposed to fight for Combat Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, something fell through with that. Um, but, uh, no, I haven't been to Mexico. Uh, never in my life I would like to get out there for sure. So I guess that the Mexican blood, the Latino blood is in you. That's why you like the fighting. <laughs> a little bit of everything with the Dutch kickboxing. A little bit of everything from all the fighting sides. So, yeah, uh, the Mexican blood, I think. I just got a lot of heart. You'll see it. I, I'm not the one to just quit when they get a little hurt. Gotcha. And, and we'll get to see it on November 12th on uh, NBC Sports Network. Uh, again, uh, Nikolai going up against Katira. Nikolai, thanks so very much for your time. And again, thank you so much for serving our country. And uh, look forward to seeing you in action on November 12th. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners all around the world, welcome to The Showdown. All right, George. Well, you heard it there. Nikolai Navarro talk about his experience in, uh, in the military and now being a professional mixed martial artist. Now, I want to talk some news here about MMA because if you recall earlier this year, I mean, this year has been horrendous for, uh, for MMA community. Heck, even in the art world, we lost Prince. We've lost so many people. Um, and in the MMA community as well, we lost uh, Kevin Ferguson, Kimbo Slice, and also at a very young age, Jordan Parsons at 25 years old. Uh, so unfortunate, so sad. However, this is quite interesting because doctors opened up his brain after he died in a motorcycle accident. Uh, he died actually of all the injuries he sustained. But it turns out that he has a chronic traumatic encephalopathy, better known as CTE. Now, this is a degenerative brain disease. That has plagued athletes in other contact sports from football to boxing to hockey. Now, this is very interesting. Why? Well, because MMA relatively is kind of new. It's, it's a baby compared to all these other sports that have been around for a long time. 
And many people have questioned, well, what is the injury that MMA fighters do to themselves? What harm do they do to themselves while they train, while they fight? Well, it goes to prove to you that it, there is a major impact in this. And when you see fighters getting paid 100 bucks or 200 bucks a fight, that is pretty sad because they're putting their life at stake. Yes, it is a cho- it's a life they chose. Yes, it's not a fair business, I understand. However, I think they should be recognized a little more with more pay when they reach the level of, say, the UFC, World Series of Fighting, or whatever. Because you got these boxers that are making ridiculous money, like Pacquiao and Mayweather, millions of dollars. And then you got the champions of the UFC that are making, compared to that, peanuts. And here you have a 25-year-old guy who unfortunately lost his life very young, but at the same time has now, his death has actually opened the eyes of the community in the mixed martial arts world because now we are aware of this type of injury that a fighter goes through. Now, mind you, he had been starting, or he started MMA at 17. He was only knocked out once in his MMA career, which I was actually there, and it was a pretty nasty knockout, but it really raises awareness to this, but I think what really does is it really pushes the, the envelope when it comes to safety, and I would even go as far as saying pay, uh, because at the end of the day, these are fighters that are risking their lives. Yeah, like, uh, it's sad that such a horrific incident had to uh, to basically you know, introduce us to an injury like that. But in a way, it's kind of like, thank God that we now know about it too. Because if not, we would have never known. Uh, but to go and think, assuming that these MMA fighters would not get such injuries, I, I'm, I'm surprised that sometimes they don't have concussions. Because, you know, they don't just punch and, and submit you. They powerbomb each other. If, if you're stuck on that fence, let me tell, tell you something. They powerbomb you. And if you have fallen into the, in that octagon, let me tell you, it has no give. Okay? So I'm shocked that, you know, they haven't been tested for concussions uh, and, and so on and so forth. But at least now, at least now, not saying that, you know, hey, thank God he died because then, you know, all that... No, I'm not saying that because we lost a great fighter, but be thankful that now we know about a very, very dangerous, you know, uh, injury, and it could help the the business of MMA a whole lot more going forward. So absolutely, George, you're right, Faber, what a phenomenal career he had. He has now announced his retirement. Uh, the, the guy, you know, he a title holder. He, he holds a record as a title holder. Uh, for most title defenses in WEC history with five. He made his uh, way into the UFC when the UFC purchased WEC. Great fights he had with Mike Brown, uh, with with Jose Aldo uh, in the UFC with Dominic Cruz. Uh, Uriah Faber is going to go down as a legend, a Hall of Famer, of course, at 37 years old. You and me, George, we look at that age kind of young. However, in the MMA world, it's not certainly... 37, uh, you're not a young buck, unlike your boy CM Punk, who thought that he could make it around that age into the into the system of the of MMA. Unless you're Dan Henderson, though, who's about 45, 46. That guy's a beast. But nonetheless, Uriah Faber had a phenomenal career. 
He, uh, I, I think he's going out with a bang, going uh, on uh, on December seventeenth in Sacramento against Brad Pickett. So I think it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a lot of fun to tune into that fight because you're gonna see a legend retire on TV. Yeah, but and going back to what you were saying about thirty-seven being young, uh, for us, yeah, listen, thirty-seven could be young, but when you go in that octagon and beat your butt senseless. Okay, whether it be submissions or by fist, that 37 can easily turn into a 57, okay? These fighters, they, just like pro wrestling, sacrifice their bodies to not just become the best, but to also entertain us. And when it's time to go, when they finally think, hey, I can't do this no more, it's better that they do that and say, hey, it's time to go then continue to do it and get hurt even worse. There's some people that, you know, are too hard-headed to say, hey, I, I want to finish this. Some people ended it late, you know, and, and risked injury. And there's some people that ended it early, and Faber is doing it the smart way. He's going to say, hey, it's time for me to go. I'm not going to risk this, and to each his own. Absolutely. Okay, now Shane Carwin, former UFC fighter uh, who took on Brock Lesnar, for the title, actually, in his heyday, and then retired, but now is back at it again as he took on uh, Ellis, Jason Ellis, from uh, the program that he has. It, it's uh, Jason Ellis, of actually a skateboarder and MMA fighter, believe it or not. Was a, he's like a shock jock type of Howard Stern type of thing and Sirius XM. Either way, he took on uh, Shane Carwin, took on Jason Ellis, you know, one handed with one hand, and he knocked out Jason Ellis with one hand. So now. He's making his return to Risen, Risen, which takes place in in, uh, in Japan. Some of the members of Pride have purchased Risen. They held their their first show this year, actually, with Fedor be, being uh, involved with it. So Shane Carwin allegedly has signed to this promotion, and one of the questions was, "Hey, why not put Shane Carwin versus Fedor Emelianenko?" And Shane Carwin said, "Well, that would be great, but I don't think that he's going to fight anytime soon." Now, another person that has been, uh, his name has been thrown in the hat as far as who could possibly take on a Fedor Malenko if he decides to fight again, even though he fought again, he fought this year, um, is Bigfoot Silva. Bigfoot Silva is now gone from the UFC. He's been kicked out, and rightfully so. He has been on a losing streak for some time now. So, Fedor Malenko and Bigfoot 2, and Bigfoot 2, that would be good. This is a rematch between the two. First one around, Bigfoot defeated Fedor. It'd be fun. You know, a little blast in the past to see these two go toe-to-toe. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, to be honest with you, um, when when it comes to Carwin, let let me say something for the record. This is a guy that took Brock Lesnar to his limit, okay? This is a dangerous, dangerous fighter. And and he's not given the credit that he most deserves, in my opinion. Uh, Carwin uh, against, man... Who to pick in? Who who can I pick in that? Um, Fedor and Carwin. It'd be pretty. It'd I, I'm trying. To, I, I, yeah, it's very close because they both like the stand-up game, but they, and they're both extremely powerful fighters. Um, who, who? You know what? I'm gonna go for Carwin. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Carwin, and and not because he's American or what have you. Like a lot of people are probably gonna assume. But because this is a guy who took the gorilla-sized Brock Lesnar to his limit. 
And a lot of people still say to this day that Carwin should have won that fight. But you know what? Well, he did some, you know, Lesnar did some big Carwin. But still, like, the the fact is, is that he pushed Lesnar all the way to the end, okay? And by coincidence, Lesnar finally got him in a submission for the first time ever, mind you, and tapped him out. Credits, credits do. But I feel like if Carwin pushed a little bit more, he would have had it. I agree. Well, lastly, just want to touch on GSP is no longer, according to him, uh, involved or affiliated with the UFC. His team has said that he, his team said that he's no longer affiliated with the UFC. But the UFC says no. Hold on, GSP, you are. We just haven't really, we haven't let you go formally, but it doesn't mean that you can fight anywhere else. This is sad because I wanted to see GSP fight again. Dana White said, look, his head is not in the game anymore. I think if he decided to retire, then just retire. This is not a sport where you, if you feel it, do it. Don't try to fight it. So will we see the appearance of GSP? You know, I don't, I don't, I know this rumor comes along every single time, all that every year. It comes, oh, he's going to fight, he's going to fight, and never shows up. Well, I think there's one more fight left than GSP. I think the problem is they just got to come out with some sort of a contractual agreement. But I think eventually one day, before he hits 40, because he has not hit 40, he's, he's in mid mid-30s, I think eventually GSP will fight at least one more time. And one of the rumored fights that they were out there was GSP versus Anderson Silva in a super fight. And I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. Of course. That's the dream fight that everyone's been asking for years. In the pro wrestling world, for 12 years, we were asking for Goldberg to return. Just like in the world of MMA, we've been asking for many, 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 many years to see Anderson versus GSP. And just for the record, if GSP does come back, I will put my name in the hat. I would love to see Anderson versus GSP. Now, would it ever happen? I don't know, because the relationship, sure, UFC says no, GSP says yes. It, it, it ended pretty dirty, Roman. Like, as far as their, their relationship because of the whole drug thing, and it, it ended pretty dirty. I, I don't know if, if, if it's ever going to be a possibility to see GSP ever back. And, but hopefully, hey, we're, better things have happened. You know, people have been able to come up with great deals because, listen, if the money is right, you will do it. Money talks. For George, we're going to finish this with a hit him with a hine. As uh, this is the Roman Show closing off, we will catch you next week right here in the program with our special guest, Eddie Alvarez. And you know who we're having too, George? Trevin Adams of WWN. They just signed up this great deal with Flow Sports. You'll be able to watch every WWN live um, event or Evolve event. Anything part of the WWN family, you're going to be able to catch it on Flow Sports. 150 bucks a year, which is pretty neat. Pretty cheap, to be honest. Yeah, of course it's pretty darn cheap, especially with unlimited access like that. And from what I understand is that this is only the beginning. Absolutely. So we're going to have Trevin Adams who's going to let us know a little bit about the deal, how it works, what you get out of it. That's only $12.50 a month that you will pay if you get this this deal of uh, Full Sports 150 bucks to get all that access to the archives of WWN and a whole lot more. So with that being said, we'll catch you on right here in the Roman Show. If you haven't been on, you haven't been heard, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash 
rroman0201. Check out the website, theromanshow.com. We got exclusive pictures from the Trivium concert that took place right here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Check it out. You might just appear. We'll catch you next week right here on The Roman Show. Till then. <laughs>